The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to talk about taking your dog to work. Scotty mentioned this because a lot of our clients uh, like to bring their dogs to work or they have hybrid positions, so the days they're going into work, they want to bring their dog. So we're going to flush it out here today, but first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Ooh, the pig is sounding strong. All right, our quirky tip today is, you guys, we are not through winter quite yet in most of the country. So, you know, kennel cough is still going around. This crazy respiratory virus is still going around. We talked about it on the immunity-only podcast a while back, but the quirky tip today is Manuka honey. If you're having an issue with your dog's health in any way, shape, or form, Manuka honey is super expensive. Actually, you brought us back some Manuka, didn't you? Straight from the source. Yeah. Yeah, Manuka is from your part of the world. It is, it is, yeah. yeah so, fresh from Australia. Yes. Made from a koala urine or something. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's like super high quality um, honey, and it's really good for the immune system, and the dogs can have it as well. So that is our quirky tip, especially if your dog is suffering from anything that is keeping its immune system a little bit down. And we have a, a client, Casey, whose dog has a respiratory issue now, and is hanging in there. She's had it for a friggin' month Yeah, now. and I know dogs, dogs who have been older, who have fought the really bad respiratory virus that's been going around, finally off antibiotics. It's, it's not just, you know, a death wish if you get the really severe version of kennel cough, this respiratory virus we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, but it is good to get the dog's immune system bumped up and boosted. So um, take your dog to work day falls in June. <laughs> so we're a little premature here. But it's good to flush some things out. And some people take their dogs to work pretty regularly. We're seeing that more and more often as time goes on. I'm looking at uh, our producer, Chrissy. <laughs> her friggin' dog is sitting right behind her over here. Murphy. She brings her dog to work every time Murphy she comes in. Murphy is a wonderful Brittany Spaniel. He's here all the time. He's very well behaved. Um, and, you know, this is an issue that if you are considering taking your dog to work or, you know, your workplace allows for dogs and you're considering bringing a new dog into the household what is that going to look like? Like, what what type of dog should I get? We had a client call us literally, it was a few months back now. Um, she didn't do anything with us. She had put down like a $4,500 depo- deposit on a puppy. And she was getting this puppy sold to her as like an eight-week-old service dog so she could bring her dog to work with her. And it just, it sounded like a disaster. Like, one, you're not going to bring an eight-week-old puppy to work easily. Two, there's nowhere in the world where they're selling service dogs at, you know, two months old. It was just... We kind of had to talk her down from the oh, whole no, thing. Oh, no, there's several places doing that. Well, not ethically and not realistically. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think at the end of the call, she actually called and tried to cancel the deal. I think she'd only put half towards the puppy or something. But, you know, stuff like that. We want to kind of wrap people's heads around that a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Chrissy here, our producer, is fortunate that she can bring her dog to work. And there isn't a bunch of other dogs here. Her dog is the only dog here. But if you're in an environment where um, there's you know, 10, 20 employees, and the policy is that you can bring your dog to work, then there's a likelihood there's going to be dogs roaming in hallways and office to office. A lot of the offices have open doors. And you got to be really thoughtful about bringing your dog into that environment. And, you know, worst case scenario, I had a client come in with a puppy once and he said, uh, I brought my 
this was his second puppy. I brought my puppy to work, and he walked down the hall, and when this German shepherd killed him. So that's worst case scenario. It's you know? pretty worst case. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, you want to make sure that you you have good control of your dog, and if you have any kind of uh, aggression issues, whether it's guarding toys, food, handling, uh, you might want to reconsider bringing that dog into an environment where someone else is going to be running up on that dog, touching them, maybe wanting to play with their toys with them or doing silly things. That's all. So you just want to be careful. And you need to have supreme control over your dog. You know, Scott mentions a lot of dogs at the office. If there are multiple dogs at the office, this isn't a doggy daycare now, right? Like this is a workplace. You need to be very mindful of like, you're going to work to do a job. You're not going to work to let your dog have, you know, a fun play day the whole day. And yes, you know, there can be aggression. Even if there's play, that can kind of dis- get disruptive to the workplace. But even if there is this roaming policy and there are no other dogs there and your dog likes to go into other people's offices, you need to be very mindful of that. Not everyone knows that grapes are poisonous for dogs. If your dog, you know, is going to swipe something off the floor. Maybe someone dropped an Advil or something and there's going to be a problem there. Like you should have eyes on your dog and you should be in control of your dog the entire day. If your workplace allows you to actually bring your dog into your livelihood there and while you're earning money, you should have complete control of your dog as far as we're concerned. Yeah. I think a lot of the workplaces, they are uh, allowing these type of things because they're having so much difficulty getting people back into the office in the first place. So they're trying to entice people and make it as user-friendly as possible. And if you have a dog, you want to bring the dog, bring the dog, just get your ass in here. You know, I think that's the feeling they have. And you just want to make sure that, again, with these respiratory issues, dogs are licking each other's mouths and uh, you want to make sure that your potty training is dialed in tight. You know what, that dog pooping in the hallway or in your office and stinking the whole thing up. Yeah, and you want the dog very mindful and able to go out and go to the bathroom on a leash. Like, you're not going to be taking potty breaks every half an hour for the dog. Like, your dog needs to know. If you have a an opportunity to go out and go to the bathroom on a leash, you need to go on a leash. Not every place has this open field where dogs can run. Ironically, our old training facility was right across from the Kurgo headquarters in Salisbury, Mass. And, you know, that was a situation where a lot of the people brought their dogs to work and those dogs were running loose in the field and everything else. If your dog doesn't potty on a leash probably not the best situation to bring that dog to work. Chances are slim to none that your workplace is going to have this fenced in nice area for dogs to potty in, you know, on your lunch break and this, that, and the other. So start kind of preparing for these things. If this is something that you're thinking about, or you're considering a job that allows this, or you're considering bringing a new dog into your life, what might that look like? What type of qualities should, you know, we look for in this dog? What types of things should we train with this dog? And you know, for us, control is paramount. I'm sorry, we're very big on you have control of your dog in public. That doesn't mean that you need to be a dominance based trainer or you need to be an asshole as a trainer or anything else, but you should be able to control your dog. Your dog should be walking on a loose leash, bare, bare minimum. Your dog should not be vocal or disruptive. Like Scott mentioned, your dog should not be, you know, pottying, you know, in the hallways or marking or doing any of this kind of stuff. Your dog should be able to just rest, settle in the corner and rest and You know, if your dog isn't good at that, maybe you have an excellent place command. Your dog should be conditioned to a crate. I'm sorry if all of a sudden you need to get called into a meeting or 
we're probably not going to have dogs in the hospital, so I'm not going to say called into a surgery, but you need to get called away from your office. It would be really nice for you to be able to crate your dog. What if someone else comes into your office? What if, you know, your dog does something naughty while you're away? Like, let's have the dog conditioned to a crate. They have great soft crates. Even the fold-up wire crates work really well. Even if you don't crate at home, consider crating at the office. These are just basic, basic minimums that we consider having good control over the dog. You certainly should uh, get your dog comfortable being in confinement, whether it's a crate or being tethered to a door handle or being you stepping on a leash and the dog is laying at your feet under your desk. And it's not that you have to do that the whole time you have the dog at work. But if you try, and this is the same thing at home too. I have people that are working from home and the dog is a big problem because if they don't give the dog attention, the dog starts barking. And then they're trying to give the dog attention and trying to do a Zoom conference and all kinds of important things that have to do with their work. And the dog is creating a problem. So if you want to be able to bring your dog into the work spot, you need to work on these things. I tell everybody the same thing with all obedience training. You need to work on it when you don't need it so that when you want to take advantage of it, that's not when the learning curve starts. The dog already understands you know, that if you tie them to a doorknob, they're going to relax there and get a bone to chew on. Or You step on their leash yeah, and your feet. They're not, they have no problem with the crate. And if they can't be crated, then you need to come up with some alternatives. Not all dogs can handle being crated, but you need to condition them to the crate so that, uh, you know, a lot of people, their dogs sleep on the bed. My dog sleeps on my bed just about every night, but he spends the whole day in the crate because he's now recovering from a surgery. But he's comfortable in the crate. And that's the most important thing, that we can crate him any time. So if you want your dog to be in bed with you every night, I have no issue with that. But you should crate the dog during the day for two, three hours just to get them used to that. It's not a punishment. It's just you want them to go in there, take a nap with the door locked, and they're okay doing that. And like Scott was mentioning, you know, the dogs are acting up when you're in the middle of a Zoom meeting or when, you know, somebody calls you on the phone. Maybe, you know, your boss is out on the road and needs to talk to you. As soon as your dog barks, then you're going to be acquiescing that dog and trying to get that dog to shut up. You're going to start pulling out bones. You start rewarding the dog because this isn't, like Scott said, the time to start doing the training. So it's very important that your dog understands, like, Go lay down, be quiet, don't cause a disruptance here. You know, you're there to get paid. You're not there to hang out with your dog all day. So this is an important thing to distinguish. And just as the world's changing and especially as the workplace is evolving and as we're getting, I would say, looser and looser and looser with dogs, it's important to kind of have a little goal of what you want it to look like when your dog comes and the dog is in your office. That's kind of an important starting point. Yeah, and it's the same, uh, you know, I always say, you know, a well-behaved dog, like a well-behaved child, is welcomed everywhere. You know, when you bring a three- or four-year-old with you to, to a friend's house, and they can sit and play on the, on the carpet with some toys for 45 minutes while you have coffee, that's a real pleasurable experience for the adults. They see that the kid is okay, the kid's entertaining himself or herself, and it's nice, so they look forward to that happening again. If the kid is a friggin' pain in the ass the whole time, or if the dog is really difficult, demanding your attention, running around, jumping on furniture, nobody wants that back. You know, they say, oh, I love dogs, but then they're like, you know, the dog knocked the lamp off the table last time. Maybe <laughs> maybe you shouldn't bring the dog next I know. time you We come. don't love dogs at our house. All right, yeah. let's go to break super quick. When we get back, we're going to talk about this all a little bit more. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe 
Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. All right, we're back. So I want to talk a little bit about dogs with other people as it relates to the workplace. So some offices are pretty isolated and there's just like one or two employees in the office and not a lot of people come through the door. So if that's the case, fine. You know, your coworker loves the dog, their best friends live and let live. You know what I mean? Uh, within reason. I mean, don't let the dog scratch the person or knock the person over, or, you know, just sit in the person's lap all day, licking its face while it's eating lunch. But you know, these, th- there's, that's a setup where fine, you can have things a little lackadaisical. If all of your coworkers love your dog, but you also have customers coming in through the door on, you know, a semi-regular basis throughout the day, be very mindful of that. Your dog is not going to now like segment in his mind, oh, this person works here. This person is just coming here as a customer. I need to act differently, you know, depending on who it is. You need to have rules with all interactions then at the workplace. Even if your coworkers love the dog, you may need to quell that a little bit and say like, you know, hey, I don't want the dog getting too excited when people are coming through the door today. You know, why don't you just give him a treat and let him just go lay on his bed by the window in the sun? You know, be conscious of those interactions because repetition builds behavior. So if the dog walks in in the morning and says hi to eight coworkers, jumping up, kissing them in the face, you know, loving that person to death. And then a customer walks in two hours later and the dog does the same thing. That's what you should expect. That's what the dog is seeing. That's what the dog is expecting in this environment. So be conscious of what you want that end picture to look like. Yeah. And I would say that if you've seen other people's dogs in the workplace or when you go to a a business and there's a dog there that's well-behaved, that doesn't mean that your dog is going to be well-behaved. You know, it, it has to do with breed, temperament, Training. training. And I, I give, you know, I was just thinking of the local hardware store that we go to. Yeah, great They dog. always have this black lab just roaming around, mm-hmm. just checking people out and just really calm, well-behaved, nice dog. My concern would be that someone else comes into that um, business with a dog that maybe isn't that great. And that other loose dog might get up on them. But that dog does great. Another place that that happened is um, uh, the U-Haul place. We went to do the U-Haul, rent a U-Haul truck. And the dog came out from behind the counter and just said, yeah. just said hi. It was like a pit bull type dog. Very nice dog. But then you don't I'm know. I'm just going to tell a story about that dog. I guess that's when we picked up the U-Haul together. So I guess that dog just came out and said hi. Yeah, just came walking okay, out. Okay, so when I was reserving the U-Haul, this is where I was going to segue. The dog jumped over the counter to see me. Oh, I remember you told me that. Yeah, yeah. the dog literally like got up on her chair jumped over the counter to see me, was on the ground. Like, it was like a six to eight foot counter, pretty athletic dog. And the dog's sniffing me up and down. And she's like, oh my God, the dog never does this. And then she couldn't get the dog back behind the counter because the dog's like, I don't want to hang out with you. I'm with this lady that smells great. So I had to like help like, you know, escort the dog back and come on, you can do this and get the dog back. So one I guess I, that dog had good days and bad days. Well, what I, one thing I would keep in mind though in that situation is that, you know, you're dog friendly, you smell like dogs and the dog knew that. But there are some people that have had very traumatic experiences with dogs in their childhood. And uh, they or would have friggin' week. freaked out if that happened. A dog jumped over the counter at them. Even if it was friendly, they would have been so traumatized. I went jogging with a running group once. And we get out of the cars and we're at a park. And this one woman is like petrified. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, these dogs are off leash. And she was freaked out because she had been attacked by a dog. So take that into consideration. If you're representing a business, if you own it or if you're working for someone else, 
make sure your dog is under control because you don't want to scare a client away. Yeah, and some people accidentally aren't dog people. Like, and live and let live. Like, good for them. They don't want dog hair all over them. I don't blame them. You can't just assume everyone's a dog person. And in a workplace environment, a social dog is a neutral dog. Okay, literally, like a dog that like. Oh, the door opened, the bell rang, lifts its head up from its nap. Okay, I'm back down. Not overly excited, not reactive, not fearful, just neutral. That is what a social dog really looks like in a lot of society, especially from a pet dog perspective, but especially in a workplace type of environment. So that should be your goal, neutrality. So be careful of then your dog pulling you into the office and greeting all these people with overly exuberant personalities and everything else. And I'm sure you guys all can come up with your own examples of, oh yeah, this local business has a dog. It goes great. This one has a dog. It doesn't always go great. Kind of an issue. You know, you may have a environment where coworkers are bringing their dogs sometimes. And even if you're listening and you own your dogs, you may choose not to bring your dogs. It all depends on what's happening. But if you're doing this, how can you improve your practice? And if you're planning to do it, how can you prepare? Because there's a lot of good ways to kind of get your mind straight and get your dog into this mindset of I'm going to be a good boy or a good girl at work. Yeah. And if you have, if you work in a, a school or in a situation, most likely it's going to be a school setting where you have a bunch of kids there. You need to be especially careful with your dog and you're protecting the dog and the kids. We've had Several clients like that. You remember the lady that had the two Great Danes? Mm -hmm. And she worked at a private school. So she had like her own quarters on this uh, school grounds. And she let these dogs loose. And for the most part, they were good. But she brought them to us because they had a biting incident. And it's like dogs are good until they get a little fearful. And then if they get crowded, then all of a sudden... They, if they feel cornered, they're going to make, make, you know, use their mouth. Yeah, and, and with the, kids, you don't want that going on or anybody. anybody. Yeah. And the teacher setup is a good one to mention because, you know, if you don't work for a private school and you can't have the dog there with kids, a lot of times you're bringing the dog in on weekends when you're doing lesson prep or something else. And those dogs are used to that just kind of being, you know, your room and the dog's room, you know, the teacher's there getting ready and the owner of the dog and the dog's just used to hanging out. So then when somebody comes to open your door, it's this big, like, oh my gosh, someone's arriving. This is a problem. So a little tip for that. And something that I also tell vets offices with, you know, super reactive clients, Bring a gate for the door. Bring a gate so the door isn't opening. So someone can, you know, walk up and toss a cookie over or wave and say hi, and you can get your dog settled. That opening of the door is going to create a lot more barrier aggression, a lot more territorial behavior if your dog has tendencies towards that than just a gate there. Obviously, you don't want your dog jumping over the gate. Obviously, you don't want your dog rushing the gate and biting someone. I mean, if your dog's even capable of this, they shouldn't be in your workplace to begin with. But that's a really good way to kind of sub segue from the, oh my gosh, the door opened, I need to blow up. And that's another version of someone coming to the house, right? So if the dog gets super overly excited with the door and like knocking and everything else there, then that's going to transfer over to the workplace. So maybe you bring a baby gate. I mentioned a bed. You can mention, you, you can use just a little cot for the dog to hang out on, a little fluffy bed, or if you have a structured place exercise, well, that's you can bring... Some people have it though, but you know, you have something where the dog can hang out, a a nice place, especially if it's a tile floor place where the dog can go curl up. A leash, you should 100% have a leash and a secure piece of equipment. I don't care what you use for equipment. You can use a gentle leader. You can use a harness. You can use a pinch collar. You can use a martingale. I don't care what you use. You need to have control with that piece of equipment. And if you don't normally have good control in life, maybe you switch equipment for work and you get better control in that environment. 
Yes, you can have some treats and some chews and everything else, but it shouldn't just be that you're the human Kong dispenser now at work to keep your dog under wraps. Your dog should be able to just hang out and chill and be there for six to seven to eight hours, however long you're there. That should be a baseline expectation of your animal. Yeah, I want to put a little more emphasis on the leash because so so many clients, uh, just people, everyone I see almost, I say, bring your dog outside so I can meet him outside. It's a little bit more neutral, a little less territorial, uh, apt to happen there where they get a little bit grumpy because some stranger came in their house. So I meet the dog, I work with them and I say, okay, let's go inside now and address what's going on in the house. And without fail, as soon as they step through the threshold into their home, they're taking the leash off. And I'm saying, hey, keep, keep the leash on. Let's, you know, because what, I, I don't want the dog getting more bad reps of jumping all over people or doing all the behaviors that they typically do, whether it's overexcited or uh, excessive fear where they're retreating immediately to under the stairs and that's where they just stay and, and hide, you know? So leave that, be conscious of that and leave that leash on. You don't even have to hold the leash. Let them drag the leash around. Yeah. At least you can go pick it up. If they're getting into something or you want to get their attention and you don't have good obedience, good control, you want to get them away from a window because they're barking, you go over and pick up the leash. And this would happen at work too. If you leave a leash on your dog and you're in your office and they run over to that gate that Jess said to put up and they bark a little bit, you don't want them being disruptive to other people that may be on their phones. You get up, you go pick up that leash, you bring them back over and say, hey, come here, relax. Yeah, you that's know, a really control good point. Them. That's a really good point. Let the dog drag a leash Be around. assertive. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's so funny. I was just talking to a woman or midday today who um, she said to me, it had nothing to do with dogs. Some guy came up to her and was talking and she said, okay, thank you for um, whatever. Like she just kind of dismissed him. And she said, you know, you got to be a little assertive with this guy because he's really kind of pushy. And I said, yeah, I know a lot of people are not very assertive. And I didn't even get into all the dog stuff, but, you know, you just have... It's, with a, a, lost, it's a lost art. With a dog, you need to days. assert yourself. And it doesn't mean being dominant and harsh. It just means give direction. Give direction to your dogs. Help them out. Yeah. And you guys need to practice this. If your dog is not used to going to work or if your dog was disruptive at work and you want to, you know, start introducing this practice again... You need to set up some time and, you know, see what that will look like. Home Depot and Lowe's probably aren't your best bet for a simulation to a work environment. There are some like malls or local shopping centers that allow dogs. There was the tannery in Newburyport. We have a video of that place. Um, we yeah, have we a video there all the time. Of our, on our Canine Hailing YouTube page of a super fearful dog. We called it, we talked about flooding in that video. And, you know, there's some places that are dog friendly locally. If you have like a small office vibe, going over to your friend's house for coffee is a great example of that. But you're going to walk in, you're going to have the dog on leash. Maybe you do some stepping on the leash. You need to simulate the dog being well-behaved in environments that are away from your home before you expect them to just be well-behaved in your workplace. So be very thoughtful of this, you guys. We do not want our dogs to be a nuisance. We do not want to be driving our bosses crazy. We do not want our coworkers to be more annoyed than they are grateful to see us. And if your dog is with you, your dog as well. It is your responsibility to make sure that your dog is contributing to and not taking away from. Yeah. And if I had my way, I would rather see dogs in the workplace than not in the workplace, but well-behaved dogs in the workplace that aren't getting into any kind of problems and fighting or chewing on the computer cords. Now your frigging desktop isn't working because your puppy just chewed through your cords underneath the table. Um, It's kind of like the daycare in the sense, if you have a workplace that has maybe four to six dogs, which I think is reasonable and probably a lot of places like that, 
the, the nice thing is the dynamics are always the same. It's the same employees. It's the same dogs. It's not, it's revolving dogs like a daycare. And if you can get your dog, you know, around those dogs and everything is going fine, then it's always going to probably go fine because it's always the same dogs every day. They get used to them. They like them. But it's really weird how you can have four or five dogs that get along great for months and then you introduce one dog that is maybe real shy, nervous, fearful, and all of a sudden dogs that never fought will start fighting. Yeah. You know, things will start going wrong. The dynamic of the pack changes dramatically with one new dog. So when you bring a new dog into that that group, you want to take some time, make sure everything is going smoothly before you just Take them off leash and let them go and then go get on the phone and try and work. Yeah, no. You know? So t- take these things for food for thought, you guys. I hope that we helped you a little bit. Maybe you don't ever have dogs in the workplace, but in case you do or you know other people that do, share this episode. It's important to us that the dogs listen. All right, next week we have a very special guest on. We have Jamie Robinson on. I originally contacted Marsha Hoffman to come on, Martha Hoffman Martha. to come on um, for Service Dog Games International, but we got Jamie Robinson from Florida. She was an awesome guest. We totally flew flushed out her new program that she has uh, rolling out for service dogs. You guys are going to love it. Do not miss it. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Thanks, guys. Take care. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.